Hi, my dear beloved nephew, Ephraim, Ephraim Goldstein. We're so proud and we're so uh, in awe and we're so beyond grateful for all that you're doing and putting your life on hold and going and literally fighting and defending the Jewish people. This is Tanakh level story and uh, this is historic and uh, all of the Jewish people are indebted to you and your friends and your family and all those who are with you. So obviously we're not going to disclose where you are or what you're up to. But um, just just share with us, how are you getting through each day? What, what was it like? When were you called up? How did you find out something was happening? When did it become clear that it's this level or this magnitude or, or, or where it's at? Give us a little bit of a background. So, yeah, so <clears throat> thanks so much um, for that entire introduction. It is, I'll, just, I'll open by saying that the amount of support and strength that we're all receiving from Israel and abroad and, and the Jewish people all over the world has been unbelievable and incredible. And I'll start and say that that gives an incredible amount of strength. Um, I, this all started, it was really Shabbos morning. Um, it was towards the end of Shul here in Jerusalem, towards the end of Davening, when the first siren went off in the city, um, at which point I, people started to leave Shul, go home, check and make sure their families were okay. Um, since I'm, uh, I was expecting once it was pretty rare to hear a number of sirens in Jerusalem. So right away, I turned on my phone to check with my unit and it became clear throughout the day, um, that the call up was inevitable as friends started to get the call as the day progressed. Um, we did as well. Um, and the next day as, uh, as many of us did, um, said goodbye to our families and, and drove out to where we needed to get to. Uh, to go to work. And here we are. It's, you kind of lose track of time. Hard to believe it's now Wednesday evening. Um, but I guess the time flies and we're here do, doing our best to keep everyone safe. And Frank, give a little background. You know, sometimes in, in America or abroad, certainly we know who the soldiers are, those who have relatives and family and who frequent Israel. But a lot of people don't. And they hear Israeli soldier and they think of somebody who loves violence, somebody who loves war, somebody who has some animal impulse and rage. And they don't realize that, that Israeli and Jewish soldiers are sweet, delicious, kind, good people who would give anything in the world to have peace. What was your life like? You work in finance. Maybe just tell even a little bit. Your, your family made Aliyah. How old were you when, when you came? And was it always clear you would you would join the army and... And what was that service like? How long have you been out? And um, and what does it mean to be a reservist? Yeah, uh, so I, I made Aliyah when I was 11 years old. That's when my family moved to Israel. Um, I guess that's a good question for my parents, but every parent knows that when they make Aliyah, they're signing their children up for the IDF, whether they think about it at the time or not, and what that means. Um, I grew up in Gush Etzion, um, and after two years at Gush, I drafted. Um, continued to officer's course. And after four years of service, essentially ended my, the first segment of my army service and began as a reservist. Um, but I think, I think you said it, you said it quite well that soldiers are just regular, you know, everyone drops what they're doing in their day-to-day -day life. I think it's an amazing thing when you see everyone who comes together from so many different walks of life here. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about what was going on in the country just a week ago, but every every argument that was ever going on, any little bit of conflict is all just falling away 
is everybody really just comes together. I think that's one of the one of the beautiful things of, of Miluim that you see is it's kind of above all else. You have people from all different walks of life on the political spectrum, on the religious spectrum, from uh, from Matula and from Eilat and from Jerusalem and from Tel Aviv. And everyone just comes together and it's all, you know, it's your good friends. You get together a few times a year. Um, and it's an amazing thing. And I think now also it's, this is uh, it's a different situation than most of us have been in, but it's the same people that we trust and that we believe in each other. And we're here together. And like you said, we all just want to finish the job and get back home. And, and, and what's that like, right? We're not going to ask you how you're spending your time and what these days are like, but the waiting has to be torturous too, right? Because the news reports that, that these incursions and, and again, wherever, we're not, we're not going to talk about a specific location, things that certain things are inevitable. So every day is just sort of, is sort of waiting. So how do, you, how do you pace yourself? How does a soldier get ready? On the one hand, when you're ready to go do something, you need to really be ready. On the other hand, if you try to keep that, that level that high all the time, you'll, you'll burn out and you won't be ready when you're needed. So how does a soldier through this waiting period, how do they pace themselves? Yeah, that's a great point. We actually were talking about that a lot today because kind of the, as time passes when you're on, on reserve, so you get called up, so you know you have high, it goes from high intensity and then it drops, high intensity drops and you're kind of towing that line throughout the day. Um, and, you know, it's, it's definitely an adjustment, but I think one of the things that has helped us most as a group is to, to talk about that, to address it, to sit down, to uh, open up, uh, have a drink there. I would say that the, the amount of, of, of soda and snacks and food that we've been receiving from the people who are around where we are right now is just, is cut, usually, everyone should come and take. We have extras. We can save from Shlopi if you want. They're, I've never seen so many coke in my life. Um, so just to sit down and to talk about it. And at the end of the day, underneath the surface, if, we, you know, if you tear away the, the gear and the uniforms, everyone's going through the same thing. Um, and it's important to address that and you understand that it's difficult and yet it's okay. It kind of helps to, to get, wrap your head around what's going on and kind of push through that wave that you described of the intensity and then you're waiting, nothing happens, something happens, you think something's happening. It's really, it can change very quickly, minute to minute. Um, but being with the people that you're with really helps and knowing that you have the support and, and receiving text messages from people who, you know, you haven't been in touch with in ages, but they know that you're in Israel and they thought of you. It's, it's, all, it's all part of, all pieces of the puzzle that I think give, uh, give us the strength, give Israel the strength. You know, your, your wife and your sister-in-law, Ruthie and Leah, were saying that, that they're lucky that you and Avinom have phone contact still, at least right now. And that there are others who are serving who've already been cut off. They they can't be on their phones. So I'm sure that's very meaningful also to be able to check in, to be able to to WhatsApp video, to be able to still be connected and get those text messages. They mean a lot, and people should should know that and send it and, and boost the morale in that way. When when you checked your phone on on Shabbos on the Chag, and and you ultimately saw that you're being called up, what what was that feeling? Was there a piece of you that said? I wish my parents didn't make Aliyah when I was 11. I wish I was in America right now. I wish I was just working like everybody else. Was there a piece of you that hesitated or paused or thought, can I get out of this and not go in? What, what, what's that like when you get that call? Um, I mean, I can, I can speak for myself. That my, I mean, it was kind of something that we knew. We, we knew it would come one day. We didn't know when that day would be. Um, but when the day came, you kind of start wrapping your head around the understanding that, okay, this is... This is happening, but we're ready. And you look around you, 
and you walk through Yerushalayim on Simchus Torah morning, instead of seeing the Hakafot, you see people running home, you understand that you, you got to go do what you got to do. Um, and it's, and it's, I think, uh, I think it's a schut for, for a lot of people to be able to do that. Um, challenges aside, and it's a challenge for us, and it's a challenge for, for our families. Everybody put something aside to enable this country to run um, and survive and be the amazing place that it is. And everyone plays their part, whether that's on the front lines or the, or the home front. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. I think everybody feels that now also. I mean, I, I've, I know offices, I can speak just for the place where I work, where you know, everyone who's in the office is now figuring out how can we help the soldiers who work here, who are on the front lines? What do they need? Where, what equipment can we get them? What food can we get them? What money can we raise? Like the, everyone, everyone has been drafted for this cause whether they're wearing a uniform or not. And wow. I think that's, that's the general. That's a, it's a beautiful way of putting it. Let me ask you, I didn't get your approval, so feel free to not answer a little bit of a personal question, but what role does, does being religious, of living with emunah and bitachon, of living with faith, what role does that have in getting you through this? That it's not just nationalistic and it's not just about a people, but as, as you've put on this uniform and grabbed that gun and you're prepared to do what's necessary to protect your people, is part of getting through each day, and especially in this waiting period, what role does does davening, does tefillah have for you? What role does the relationship with Hashem have for you? And how does that relate to, as you said, as an officer, do you channel some of that and communicate that to, to your men, to the people who are with you? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult and long question. I don't know if we have time for the whole answer, but I'll give you my the initial feeling is that it, it definitely adds a, a certain layer. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll attract that and say, I think that even people who, you know, who aren't necessarily putting on tefillin or aren't connected day to day, some, some, something reaches out. I heard about people who are gathering pairs of tefillin and tzitzit to send to bases because soldiers want to be putting on who don't usually wear tzitzit or tefillin. So I think the religious aspect is, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of it. Um, and, I, and I will say this also being here, but the fact that you stop and daven three times a day um, adds a little something. I mean, it's 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 hard to stop and think when you're in a day as crazy as the days are today. But when you're forced to stop and and repeat the words that you're used to repeating three times a day, and you and every every part of our of our history and our regular tefillot, they, they take on a certain a certain meaning here um, that maybe I don't think about at home. And so, some aspects kind of hit home stronger than others. I would say of our davening, um, but I would say for me, I mean, the feeling is that three times a day you're kind of forced to stop and, and think about what's going on, um, and and daven that everything go well, which is I think a big part of it. Now, you know, we do our we're working 24/7, but if you take a little bit out of that day to kind of ask for help, um, I think it adds a lot. Those the videos that are coming out that are being shared of 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 bases and of chayalim who are singing Mishem Amin Lo Mefached and and Geshe Tzar Maod and yeah. and all these songs and singing and dancing and jumping and 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 putting their all and leaning into that and knowing that this is not Stam two nations in in conflict. I mean, this is a group of terrorists on one side, but this is that we have Hashem and and He's behind us. I could tell you as as an outsider and a spectator who obviously feels very invested, but is not on, on the line, it's so powerful for us, and and I, I hope that that's part of the energy that's that's driving you and 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 the others. 
Yeah, it it definitely everything you see in those videos. I mean, if it's if it's powerful on camera, you can imagine how powerful those moments are uh, in the flesh. Yeah. Ephraim, I know that you have work to do. Thank you for taking a few minutes out. And I, there's, no, there's not adequate words in the, in the world to describe uh, how grateful we are, how indebted we are, how proud we are, how much we love you, and how much we're davening for you and praying for you that you should be successful, that you should be safe, that you should be secure, and that you should be home. You should be home with your beautiful wife and children, that you should be back in the office, that you should be back in your shul, that you should be back in, in the life that you've so beautifully built for yourself. We love you. We're proud of you. Thank you. And please, please, please to communicate to all your men that not only are Am Yisrael behind them, but the world, the world of decent people, not millions, billions of people. I've gotten text messages from non-Jews I know. I was just stopped in a public place by an older non-Jewish couple who, who emotionally, almost on the verge of tears, said, please, we're thinking about you. We can't believe what's going on in Israel. I, we're just channeling all of that to you and to your men you should feel that support and feel that love. We're pushing you at your back. We're pushing you up that hill. We're, we're, we're right there with you, and, and we love you, and, and thank you for everything. Thank you so much. We, we definitely feel it um, from everywhere. Whenever I do take a few minutes, open up my phone, and read the news, I know that I'd much rather, you know, the, the, there, there, I think there are two sides. It's very, when everything is so live stream, there are a lot of difficulties. Because um, they have very quick access, um, quick access to a lot of difficult information. At the same time, you get to see the incredible outreach that is going on and the support and the beautiful stories of people showing up to bases and people sending Chayalim home at the airport, just waiting for them to show up with their Tzav Shmone and putting them on flights. It's really, it speaks it speaks to the power of, of us and the Jewish people in Israel. And, and I say the heroes of Israel are everybody who is taking part. It's not... It's not just us here. It's all the support coming in from everywhere. So thank you. We love you. Stay safe. And I can't wait to give you a hug in person. Can't wait for that. All right. Thank you, Ephraim. Joined by my beloved nephew, whom I love and admire, Avinoam Israel. Avinoam, thank you, thank you, thank you. Words can't describe. Thank you. Not thank you for being on Behind the Bima. Thank you for serving Klal Yisrael, serving the Jewish people, serving the state of Israel. Thank you for interrupting your life and leaving your wife and beautiful children Thank you for putting your life on hold to defend and fight for the Jewish people. We won't mention where you are or what you're doing other than say you are a gibor, you are a hero of the Jewish people, and we love you and admire you and can't thank you enough, so thank you. Wow. Avinoam, talk to me. Tell me Tell me this experience. When 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 your family came to Israel, when you're growing up in Israel, did, did you ever think that one day you would be getting a phone call on a Shabbat, on a Chag, that the country would be under attack, that there would be a war, that you'd be called upon to get rid of an enemy, and that you'd have to put a life on hold. You, you were done with the army. You had graduated. And true, there's Miluim every year. Yeah. It's Miluim. But did you ever think that you'd be asked to do what you're being asked to do now? For sure. Um, yeah, we all expect it. We all know it's going to come one day. Um, yeah, in a way, you know, I, one wants it to come. In a way, one doesn't want it to come. Um, but absolutely, it's definitely every, every generation in this country had it, and we have it too. Avinom, what's it, what's it like? Um, 
the thoughts that go through your head, how do you pace yourself as there's been some time between being called up and, and not knowing what's going to happen next? And how do you how do you sort of regulate what you need to do to get into a place to serve versus it's not yet time, so don't get to that level now? How does a person get through this waiting period and this waiting time? It's not easy. I mean, that is the art of basically being a combat soldier. It's all about not really knowing what's going to come next, having to have the flexibility um, to either wait or suddenly get an order and go ahead. Um, sometimes it's nerve-wracking, but mostly you just stick to what needs to happen technically. Um, so be it practicing, just hanging around, eating, davening, sleeping, um, and just go through the motions. It's basically what we do. Um, and yeah. So it's a lot about, you have to have both things. Also, you're also waiting, you're also ready. So it's a hard place to be in. You're, I mean, you're, you're one of the um, most spiritual people that I know. What role does your relationship with Hashem, what role does Amuna and Bitachon, what role does that play in, in how you get through something like this, right? You're not just fighting. There's nothing wrong with the people who are nationalistic and patriotic and love their country. But, you know, when the Jewish people are fighting for our people and our country, we're doing more than just being patriotic and, and nationalistic, we are, we are, we feel Hashem is on our side. And I know that you have a very close connection. Uh, at least that's been my experience with you and conversations, deep conversations we've had. So what role does Amuna Bitach and what role does prayer place for a soldier as they're getting through times like this? Hmm. Good question. Okay, so let's start with meaning what happened is terrible. Horrible. Um, it happened the day after Shana Gaba, and you cannot not ask yourself, like, you know, uh, a davening, what does it mean? Why did it happen? Um, like the first day of the new year, basically. Um, this is what happens to us. So that's that's one side. But those aren't new questions. Not in my life. Um, people, great people being killed, um, and not in in the Jewish, you know, Jewish history or, or nations, Sadiq Vigalo, any, any of these things, may, things could be connected to what we did, not be connected. We don't know what Hashem, what Hashem uh, decides and how he thinks and what he does. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, there's, you know, a big feeling of shlichut, how do you say shlichut? How do you say shlichut? Of being, a, of being an agent, of having a job. Yeah, yeah. For sure, um, being an agent of of the Am and of Hashem Himself, these people that that came to kill us, they're not they're not looking for just me. They're looking for for the Jewish people. And if it's true, all everyone, what everyone's saying that it's Iran, so they're trying also to target Jews around the world. It's not only us here; Israelis around the world, at least. Um, that, that's from that perspective. Um. You find yourself talking. Yeah, there's, yourself, there's more. Come, come back to that. No, you find yourself talking to Hashem more. You find that the, the the prayer takes on a different a different level when there's so much at stake. I mean, it's look. If I think about it too much, it gets too hard. Once in a while, a flash here, a flash there, but can't go too deep in, deep into it because things are things are not easy. Think no, it's not. What happened on on Simchat Torah? 
was was so hard. Um, and when you when you come to to think of the words of davening, it, it's not necessarily. So yeah, you're right. Meaning, for, on the one hand, you're, you're davening uh, like I, I'm davening to Hashem, um, and and the words take on more meaning. On the other hand, if you try to give them too much meaning, it becomes a little hard. And we're also tired and and working and busy and like it's not like such a spiritual atmosphere. Um, so here and there, a thought crosses my mind. Love you, no more. So we're so grateful for all that you're doing and for your time. If you had to give a message, you know, from abroad, there are things that we can do, and I'm pushing our community and all of us to to double down on our tefillot and our prayers, to send messages and letters, obviously to donate and to support and to to provide some of the resources that are needed. What would your message be to those in Chutz Laaretz? Your your wife your wife is doing her part, and your your children are living without you. And you put your education and your work on, on hold. You're all doing beyond your part. What message would you send to those outside of Israel of what we could be doing to help? Each person should think what they can do to help. As you yourself said um, about the Sam, Sam girls and Yeshiva guys staying here, each person has their role. Um, and, and we're all together in this. We're all part of one Am. We're all the Jews, and we're all doing this together. And everyone should think, what what can you do? What can you do to push us forward and to get us out of this? Um, and get, go back, go back, and and go up a level. We're we're not. We don't just want to go back to how we were. We wanna we wanna go up a level, whatever that means. I don't know what that means, but whatever we're going through now, it should take us up to the next step. So each person, stop. Think, what can I do? Mm. Amazing. Have you know, we know you're doing the most important work in the world and we'll let you get back to it. We love you and we think about you and we daven for you. And I can't wait to give you a, a big hug in person and to uh, celebrate the success of your mission and of bringing safety to Israel, the people of Israel, the state of Israel, the land of Israel. And Bezrat Hashem soon we'll, we'll be together to celebrate. We really appreciate your tefillot here. Thank you. It means a lot. Absolutely. Be safe. Take care of yourself. We love you. Love you too. Ruthie and Leah, my dear beloved nieces, my sister's daughters, I've always wanted to go behind the bima with you and uh, so admire you and love you. And each of you have your own incredible stories and lives and so much worth talking about. I never dreamt in a million years it would be in the middle of a war and it would be in the in the aftermath of this most heinous and vicious atrocity the greatest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. And and you are, I've always loved you and always admired you, but now I'm in awe of you as you are just two examples of so many who have said goodbye to their husbands as they've headed out, even though they already put in their time and completed their service, but are back joining their units, heroes, courageous heroes of Israel, um, one of them serving up north and one of them serving down south and poised and ready to do whatever's asked of them to defend your families. So... Ruthie and Leah, I, Ruthie on the left, Leah on the right, I should say, Ruthie Goldstein and Leah Israel. And uh, I'm in awe of you. I love you. We all love you. We all love all of our brothers and sisters in Israel. And thank you for the courage of being willing to speak a little bit about your perspective and what you're going through. Not because you're unique. Uh, unfortunately, there are so many. Or fortunately, the Jewish people have a, have a rich presence in Israel and so many young married people. So in, in some ways, it reflects the beauty of the health and strength of the Jewish people. 
this is not why I ever dreamt that you would be on behind the Bima. So thank you for willingness to talk about this. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Let's start with this. How are you doing? I know that both of you have moved in with your mother, with your parents, with my beloved sister and brother-in-law in Modi and where you grew up, because as your husbands have gone out and, and you both are raising young children and to not be alone and to have the extra support and help as they are off, you've moved in. First of all, how you doing? How you holding up? It definitely helps to be together. Um, I can't imagine like being alone. Most of, most of my friends also, they either moved in with each other or with their parents um, or spending their days like at their neighbors. Um, it's hard. It's hard to be like present with the, the kids and play with them and like not be distracted all the time. Um, but it seems like it's going to be a while. So we also need to, on the one hand, survive each day and take it day by day. But on the other hand, kind of build some sort of routine and like figure out how we're going to do this for a while. Yeah, it's really unfathomable. You probably didn't picture that this is where you'd be. You know, somebody said to me, every, I, I, I'm going to come to you in one second, Leah, but every Yom Kippur before Ni'ilah, rabbis will in trying to pump everybody up and get them ready and 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 have them dig deep to leave it all out on the floor so to say and and, and as the gates are closing of Neila will say things like we don't even know what we're davening for who knows what could be in the year ahead it's the end of Yom Kippur it's Neila we put in this whole season we don't even know what we're davening for there are things that we don't even know and can't even imagine and who would think that that a week later uh, a little over a week later that that's where we would be so you didn't imagine Leah that you'd you'd be you know, sending Avinoam off and, and moving in with your, your parents and your sister. What's it like every day? How are you getting by from when you wake up? And when you wake up, assumes that you fell asleep. Are you sleeping? Do you do you sleep next to your phone? Are you checking it constantly and waiting to hear from, from your husbands or for an update on news or any change? Leia, what's it like? Um, sleeping is hard. Um, just... Cut that out. Ignore, ignore the phone. It's all right. Um, sleeping is hard. Falling asleep is hard. Staying asleep is hard. Um, disconnecting from our phones in order to fall asleep is hard. Um, waking up in the morning and remembering that this is all really happening um, is hard. Um... We're sticking together, <laughs> ups and downs. Um, one, of our, one of us is having a hard time. Um, the other one takes a step up forward. Um, feel a lot of help and support and love. And we know that everyone else is basically, we're all in the same boat together. Um, the, when we do go out, which isn't so often, but you basically only see mothers and children. Um, what else could we say? There are a lot of people offering to help. Like whoever, whatever a person is doing, they're just trying to figure out a way to, to help. So all the teenagers here, and also I know from Inushayim are volunteering to babysit for free to take the kids out, which is really helpful because we're exhausted and it's really hard to to be present and play and, and and we're basically home all day. We don't have a routine. We're not 
unsure if, um, if to leave our houses, how to leave our houses. Um, I've been doing the same round, around our house walk a few times a day to not go too far. So the teenagers who come to, to play with the kids is really helpful. And and our brother, Sally, he's out from the morning until the night, like either pa um, delivering packages, packing up packages. He's like, there are um, families from the South who moved into like empty apartments, but aren't furnished. So he's finding furniture and moving it in. And, and uh, I don't know, um, Laya's sister-in-law, is she's a, um, a hairstylist, so she's going to the people in the South to cut their hair for free, like whatever you're- Everyone's looking for something yeah. to do that, in a way that they could help. Um, Are you strengthened by a sense of Mika Amcha Yisrael, the fact that in Israel, you're seeing remarkable stories from non-kosher restaurants in Tel Aviv that kashered their kitchens so that they could provide food for soldiers to people just delivering goods and just extraordinary stories coming out of everywhere. And I could tell you, you know, here in Chutz Laaretz and outside of Israel, the, the love and the eagerness and the urgency and the itch that everyone has. I just want to do something and, and donate and collect and serve. I'm getting texts constantly about like, let's go. And I also want to book a ticket and want to go. We can't come until we know there's something for us to do and we can contribute meaningfully. But everybody, are you strengthened by that sense of, of everybody's selflessness and the contrast between that and what had been going on with so much of the division and, and all these protests that had happened and and how many articles over the last year about we're on the verge of a civil war. And instead of it being a civil war, now everyone's united in a war against our enemies. And we're not going to try to begin to even talk about why things happen or Hashem's plan. God forbid we won't talk that way. But how that pivoted so quickly to this unity, does that unity and do those messages, when you see those stories or those videos, do they give you strength? Definitely. And all the messages that we're getting like from people in America, from our friends, and like everyone's checking in with each other. And that's a really good feeling. Like we're not alone. We're all in the same boat. Um, everyone's thinking of each other, like no matter what situation you're in. So there are other people in different difficult situations and everyone's checking up on each other. Um, it's like this is what happens during war, like always. Like we've seen it in other in other difficult times, like this is what happens and it's really nice to see. And I wish that we didn't need a war for for it to come out because like, I think it's it's always deep inside, but. The streets are filled with uh, flags and signs that kids are making. And like everywhere you walk, you see different things that people are like, just walking in the streets, you feel how um, everyone's looking for a way to help. And, do you, and does it, you know, there's sometimes there's a debate, particularly again from 6,000 miles away, and it's so hard to be here. You know how hard it is for me that, that you are there with your parents, my, my sister and, and my brother and his family are there, and Sab and Safta, my parents are there, and I'm the only one in our family who's here. And it's so hard. It's so hard. I, I hope that we're serving a purpose and I hope we're contributing from here, but it, it's so hard to not be there with you. But sometimes from this distance, there can be a debate. You know, does it really matter? Does it have an impact? Does it boost the morale if you write letters or if you reach out or send a text message or if we hold a rally and send the video? Does it really mean anything? Ultimately, does it make a difference? So can you share? And I'm not prompting you that you should make us feel good. You could say no, it makes no difference whatsoever. I did see one picture that came out of a tank that hung on the side of the tank. Every picture that they got some, I don't know if it was a school or kids who wrote, a, wrote letters or made pictures and they, they taped it to the side of the tank. And they, they describe that it makes a difference. So there's a lot of focus on the soldiers and the army, but even you as, as 
the supporters of those soldiers, the ones who bear the consequence of the soldiers going to the front line and going into reserves and now having to pick it up at home, does it make a difference when you get those text messages, when you see the videos of rallies in America, when, when you hear, when you get letters? Does it matter? Should people do more of it? Does it make a difference? Does it boost morale? I think it does. Every message that I get, I'm I'm really touched by people also that I'm not in touch with. People in America that I'm not in touch with, people in Israel that I'm not in touch with, and now they, everyone's just checking in with each other. And it really does mean a lot. Um, I, I know that it also means a lot to the soldiers to get, um, other than like our husbands who are saying that they're, they're overloaded with people coming and bringing them snacks and food and equipment Socks. and everything they need, which like to them means a lot, but also, like you see there's videos of Chayalim like on a bus and their Mifaket is reading them letters from like little kids. And it, 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 it does make an impact. And, and the rallies and things that, that the shuls in America are doing, I think it does make an impact here on the way that people are feeling. Um, not alone. There's always also like a feeling that maybe at the beginning, everything was, everyone was horrified. And, but like, this is going to go on for a while. And as it goes on, people are going to like go back to their normal lives. And I'm like, I don't know, we're going to be the only ones who are still like dealing with the day to day. So I, I think it does matter to know that people outside Israel are still thinking about it, even though the, the shock of the beginning kind of passed. Um, and I think it's five. also, yeah, we're only on day five. And I think it also make, is important, um, like to show the world to show everyone else who lives in Boca, everyone else like that, um, that Am Yisrael is united and we care about each other. And as much like to show the truth of what's going on to make an impact on people's opinions. Such an important point you're making that we have to pace ourselves because if we have this outburst of, of unity and of effort and solidarity, but it could wear off. And, you know, of course we never wanted when the Ukraine war began, everybody wanted to do things and we raised money and all this happened. The Ukraine war is still raging and it's like yesterday's news. Israel's war can never become yesterday's news because you're living those consequences every day. Leah, does it ever enter your mind? Like, why didn't my parents have to make Aliyah? We could have been living comfortably under palm trees in Florida. Our husbands would be with us at home, going to work, living normally, going to some rally and feeling good about themselves in, in a Boca Raton or in New York or California. Does it ever enter your mind, like, why are we here? Why do we have to suffer this? Or or are you proud to be there? What What's it like in terms of when you think about the fact that neither of you were born in Israel and your parents brought you to Israel and you grew up in Israel and both of you served, Shirut Lumi, and, and we're so proud of that, and married Chayalim. But do you ever have, have regrets or resentment of, of the fact that your family brought you there? Um, definitely no resentment, no regrets. Um, I could say there are moments where I say I wish I was just living in Florida or wherever it is around the world and not having to go through this and not having to think about this and not having to be um, separated from my husband and him being there, um, not feeling all the pain so close. Um, but I don't think Obviously, that's not actually what I would want, and we wouldn't trade this for anything. It's the best thing they ever did for us. It's the best thing they ever did for us. Mm -hmm. um, and this is part of the package. <laughs> but um, 
but maybe the chayelim, our, our husbands, are stronger than we are in this because they they're living it. But this is uh, this is what they want to be doing. This is what they believe in doing. This is what we have to do. Um, it's not stam. It's not and like it's not a question. And someone's gonna have to do it. And and they're happy. They're happy to do it. And they're proud to do it. And like exactly the opposite. Yeah. Ruthie, what do you think? No, I was going to say the reason, part of the reason why it's the best thing that our parents ever did for us was bring us to Israel when we were young is because I really think that that everyone's going to end up here. Like that's so. So we got the easy way. Yeah. We were, we were put we here. Were, I, yeah. And, and we grew up here. It's much easier than making Aliyah. Like at our age, we were friends who made Aliyah now, and I, I don't know if I'd be able to do it, like, mm. to and leave my parents and leave everything I know. We have friends who are here alone without their families. They don't have parents to stay with. Um, their parents are far away. And their husbands are still away, yeah, so they, like, move away. in together. Yeah. There. Wow. Wow. Is there anyone who gives guidance to you, right, to the <laughs> wives, to the wives of the Chayalim, let's say? Right? Are there are there trauma specialists, psychologists? Are there messages? Is there someone right that says you know whenever you're looking at your phone or checking the news or worrying? Did I lose you? No, we're here. What when right? I know, and and it's just I, right. I'm a concentric circle away, meaning I have you and I love you and your husbands and 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 you have your brothers also serving in the army. And we have you have a first Everything. cousin. Most of the people we know, like right. all our friend husbands, all our childhood friends, all, like. So I know for me, like also not sleeping, waking up, checking the phone, updating the news, obsessing. Uh, everyone around me says like, I'm, I'm so unproductive. I can't get anything done. I can't focus on anything between seeing an image that makes you cry and jarring you towards thinking about what could be and being gripped by anxiety. And even if you have all the amuna in the world, which we do, Baruch Hashem, we have the Torah that grounds us and, and centers us and anchors us and supports us. These are all only natural feelings that we have. So is there, Israel collectively, like are there news programs? Is anyone on TV saying, okay, sit down, I want to talk you through this. Here's some exercises. Here's what to think yeah. about if you're feeling anxious and worried and overwhelmed. Here's how to navigate it. Here's how to talk to your children. Like how do you how do you talk to your children? When your husbands went off and answered the call, right, on a chag, they got up, got their uniform, grabbed their gun, and answered the call. You didn't yet know, the world didn't yet know what had happened, how bad it was, how long this might take. So I, we're not going to get into when you said goodbye, what that was like, but it probably wasn't assuming that this would be long term or what it really could be or mean. So how do you talk to your children? How do you navigate it? Are there people who, is there a support system to teach that? There's a lot of material going around um, on how to speak to children and like for every age, something else is appropriate, different videos, like stories, um, different ways to teach children to calm down. Also, in terms of going into the bomb shelters, we had, we were in Yushai and Chag and we had a whole bunch of sirens and it took us totally by surprise. The first siren, like I thought, at first I thought maybe it was a mistake. I didn't even know what it was. We never had a siren in Yushai since I lived there. Well, your cousin Tamar, my daughter, who was with her friends in an apartment, heard it and they thought it was someone made their left their alarm clock too loud they yelled at each other and went back to sleep no so i i, I went downstairs also to check on on my neighbors they're, they're 
Well, I don't know if you should, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Never mind, cut that out. But they're not the only ones who didn't know. But um, um, what was I saying? So there's a lot of material going around on how to speak to children. I'm also a social worker, so I, I work with children, elementary school children. I'm, I've been in touch with them from far also now. And and that's like, I we had meetings like with, for work on refreshers, how to deal with trauma, how to explain to children. Um, some, and, and also our own children, like we're thinking about it all the time. Um, our so husbands, they go to Medellin um, somewhat regularly, um, once a year, a year, right, a couple times a year, sometimes for just two days, sometimes for a month at a time. Um, we've both had it pretty recently, so our kids, they know what it means when um, they put on their madim, we tell them, Abba's going to be a chayal. Um, it's not so young, to so we say he'll come back soon, he'll come back in a few days. Um, so they sort of know what that means. Also now they know um, Abba went to be a chayal, um, they know their uncles all went to be chayim. All their our friends went to be chayim. Um, and for very young children, that's enough. But Eden is four; she's so perceptive, so she she knows that it's not like regular miluim. First of all, all of Chag Ephraim didn't leave over Chag, but he was on his phone all Chag. And our friends around us that we were hanging out with and eating lunch with, they left. And she said to me. I know that not only Abba's in Miluim, everyone's in Miluim, and it's because of the sirens. So, like, she, she definitely senses that there's something bigger going on, and we're not going to Ghana, and we're here. And and even though we really try, and it's really, really important, and this is what I tell the parents that I work with also, that it's really important not to talk about things around your children and assume they're not listening. They they do listen, they understand more than we think. And we really try not to talk about things around their children, mm. but we're with them all day. And there are things on our minds. And they do hear things at the end of the day, and they may not understand it, but I think it does affect them. It definitely does. I just finished putting them to sleep like a few minutes before we started talking because, like, it affects them, even though we try to break up routine. They're young. When the children who are yeah. older, it's much, much harder. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Ruthie. You're you're a social worker. Leia, you're a lawyer. What I'm happens? Not a social worker. What happens with work? What happens with work right now? The whole country's shut down. There's no productivity. You're not both working. And what happens if Ephraim and Avinoam? Avinoam is becoming a physical therapist, and Ephraim is a in business. What happens with with an income and a livelihood and work that needs to get done, both for them, they're 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 out serving as chayalim, and for the two of you who are full time single moms for for right now. Um, the country is basically like forced to shut down. It kind of seems like there's just no there's no even question about it. There's no other option because, um, I mean, you're and where I work, most no one's there. Everyone went. Midoim, or if they're not Midoim, then their spouses are Midoim and their kids are home. So, from like doing just what needs to be done. Um, if you are like the stores, half the stores are closed, half the stores are open. Everything kind of has been put on pause just because there's no there's no other option. Um, maybe if you're, if you're on a salary, maybe cool. you still, if you're on a salary, maybe you still get paid. Yeah, yeah they get from Midoim. I mean. We'll the store owner. What happens to the store owner whose store is closed or he's off at, 
he has his family has no livelihood for the month or two months or three months or God forbid however long this this. I day. mean, with, with regular milim, they um they got paid get their, their regular salary. Their regular salary. Um, hopefully, the same will be. We haven't experienced. Yeah. I work in a school, so so as long as schools are closed, I'm not going to work. But I, because I'm a social worker, it is very important that I check in with the kids that I see regularly. So I'm trying to be in touch with them as much as possible. Right. Um, let me, I, I want to, we're going to speak to your parents and, and please God, your, your husbands. So let me end with this. If, do you have a message for those listening who don't live in Israel, who have not sent their, their son or their brother or their husband or their daughter or sister for that matter off? Um, those who live outside the land of Israel, what, what's your message to us about what we could be doing? How should we be spending our time? How can we connect to this and how can we be supporting you? I think that sending messages, thinking about you really does matter. Um, and it is very meaningful. And I think just talking about it and and sharing the, what you know with, with the world and the people around you. Dominic. <laughs> Yeah, we're having trouble doing that. So if you guys could take care of that. <laughs> what? What'd you say? Davening. Davening. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, that's Leia, you know, you, you, you're making a joke, but that's such a great point. Such a great point. And I'm going to repeat it in your name is that, is that, yeah, the men at war can't daven like they want to. The wives at home who are single-handedly taking care of their children can't daven like they want to. One of the ways we can serve is to we'll take the davening. We've got yeah, that. Daven a little more for us. Wow, that's such that'd a great. Be good. <laughs> that's a great insight. Um, really and cool. and the supplies and everything that's being sent and all the amazing stories of the guy who paid for all the chelim to come back and all of that is it's meaningful to the to us who we hear about it and I'm sure it really makes a difference to the people who are experiencing it. There's the Chayalim and there's also all the people that their oh, houses yeah. have been burned down and they've gone through um, severe and horrible trauma um, mm. and their families were torn apart that they also need um, a, a lot, lot of support, help. a lot of love, a I'm lot sorry. of stuff. Yeah, supplies, um, they don't have anything. And that will go on way yeah. after this is over too. Because yeah. they don't have homes to go back to, many of them. And also, like, rebuilding everything is going to be a big project well i give you i give you our word for me from your your cousins your family here from our community and i know i speak for claudia that we're not going anywhere we're not going anywhere and even when this ends and there's still an economy that has to be replenished and supported and people that will need enormous support and therapy and post-trauma we're not going anywhere we're absolutely not going anywhere we love you we love you from the bottom of our hearts so proud of you, your husbands and your families. And um, please, God, we can't wait to see you in person and for good reasons and good causes, healthy and safe and secure and well. And thank you for all you're doing for Kalal Yisrael. Thank you. Okay, my beloved sister and brother-in-law, my brother, Daniela and Joseph, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I always dreamt one day we'd do Behind the Bima episode like behind Efren Goldberg's life and my siblings and my parents, and we could talk all about uh, my childhood. And I don't know that anyone would want to listen to that in the world, but I would be entertained by it. Never did I dream that we'd be having this conversation because you have a son and two sons-in-law in the army, and you've taken your daughters and your grandchildren into your home. 
and your son who is not yet in the army is running around pitching in and helping out and taking down sukkahs and doing whatever is necessary. And never did I think that this would be the reason that we're speaking, but I appreciate you're coming on to talk about this. I know it's not easy. You're not alone. It's a country of, of heroes like you. And the name under, under your screen that says Hero of Israel is accurate. I know you feel it's not. But the truth is, from the day that you told our family you were making Aliyah and that you were going to raise your family in the homeland of the Jewish people and forge the destiny and with it know that your children would, would go into the army and would protect this land and would have to take these risks, you were heroes from the day that you announced that Aliyah. You made Aliyah. You made Aliyah. Before it was popular, before it was easy, as easy as it is, I shouldn't say it's easy, before it, it was... Before Nefesh Ben Nefesh. You were early on in Modian. I wish we all invested when you went, knowing what would happen there. But it's accurate to say you're heroes of Israel. So thank you for, for being on. Thanks, Seth. So tell me, tell me how your life has radically changed over these last five days from what your Shabbos and Yontif were like and how that changed when you started to hear what was happening and what it meant when you realized that your your current son was in the army, your sons-in-law who were thought they were done with the army but are now back in, put their lives on hold. What has what this experience and transition been like? Um, so we had a very, very strange, bizarre Shabbos Simchas Torah. Um, our son who's in the army was actually home and that was really, really nice. And uh, I, w I was woken up in the morning by the sounds of continuous booms that sounded like they were out in the distance. Things we've heard once or twice in the past, and we've had sirens here in the past, but we weren't have any, there were no sirens. There was just a sort of a constant, constant um, sound of booms going off. I knew that something was up. I didn't know what. I was alone in the house except for my son who was sleeping. And when he finally woke up, he went to shul and I said, find out what's going on. There's definitely something going on. And he came back a few minutes later. He said, there's something going on. There's there's rockets for sure. Those are the booms. We know that. Um, but there also is some sort of infiltration into Gaza. And someone said something about, you know, kidnappings. I didn't really know. It sounded actually super um, bizarre, like nothing you know, what they were saying. <clears throat> in any case, I went to pick up um, our mother for shul. I knew she wanted to say Yisker. So I figured we'd go over there. I sent him over there to close her, the window of her mamad. Um, and we said, okay, we'll go to shul. I, I could see people were going to shul. We hadn't had any sirens. We went to shul. Um, and in shul, we found out a little bit more information. And shul was relatively empty, honestly, for some Torah, for, like, Many, many kids who would normally be there were not there. Many people were not there who would have been there. Um, we had a siren in the middle of Musaf. We stopped Musaf. We went into the hall. Um, they finished davening very quickly. And we came home. And my son said, you know, I'm going to turn on my phone. I said, oh, you're going to turn on your phone? You know, he, he hasn't actually finished his basic training yet. I said, I'm going to call you? Like, you're not even... You haven't even finished your basic training, but he knew what he was doing because he turned on his phone. And a little while after that, he got a call that he should pack up his bag and be ready to go in. And on our way home from shul, as we walked home, I could see on the streets already. I'd already heard that a number of people had been called up and had left shul. And as I was walking home, I saw boys coming out, standing in their madim, um, waiting to be picked up. This is the middle of Shabbos, you know. 
Shomer Shop's voice. It was clear that there was something happening. I saw um, neighbors that I don't really know well crying, saying goodbye to their sons who were going in. Um, it was a lot of activity that was obviously very unusual. And we spent the rest of the day just the actual call that he should leave and go, which he eventually did on Chavez. Um, and then really we had very little information. So we were waiting for Shabbos to be over, desperate to find out what was going on because we didn't really know. Um, anyway, at that point, my son-in-law, Avinoam, got called up. He left Saturday night. And then after Shabbos, when I spoke to Ruth, she told me that Ephraim was also going in the morning and they were going to come and move in and he was going to leave from here. The three of them basically left at three different points. Um, that was obviously very, very difficult um, for them to say goodbye to their families, for us to say goodbye to them. But we didn't have the full grasp of exactly what had happened and how serious this was um, really until, like everybody else in the rest of the world, over the next few hours in the course of the next day. Um, and, you know, that's, that's basically good. we've all been living that life of finding out horrific information each day worse than the day before. Um, so as far as that's concerned, you know, right. we're all sort of in that together. Joey, uh, let, me, let me jump in, jump in and ask you, Joey, when you made Aliyah, how many years ago did the two of you make Aliyah? And when you did, your children were very little. Some were born in Israel. And and um, did, did you think about the army and one day, right? Like we, we, we were all raised in, in schools and in homes that were very, very Zionistic and pro-Israel. And I don't know, it felt like, you know, we heard, we heard our parents describe what it was like and where they were for the Yom Kippur war, for beforehand the six day war and, and what that was like, those interruptions and that, that suspense and that, and that anxiousness. But it kind of felt like that was history. There's skirmishes that happened, but that level was, was history. Did it occur to you when you were making Aliyah that you would fast forward and what this would mean about your children, children-in-law, and, and the risk it would take? Well, we made Aliyah um, right in the middle of the Intifada. So it was 22 years ago. And uh, let's say we came on a pilot trip in February February of 2001. Um, and then we we moved in August. So between that time, there was, there was heavy attacks in Israel. There were bus bombings. There were... There were shootings on the highway, especially where we were going to be living on Route 443 uh, and around there. And I remember it was a very telling moment. Um, I was I was in my office uh, on, on Wall Street, which later, a few months later, was destroyed in the 9-11 bomb, um, not bombings uh, or uh, aircraft crashes. Um, and I remember... Um, having a moment of, of panic. Well, what was I doing? What was I doing? I, I'm moving my little children to Israel and people were talking about it, about how could you, you know, fine, you want to go, but how can you put your little children, my children, Ruthie was then six, uh, and we had Ruthie, Leah, and, and, and Micha was a baby. And, and I remember that, that, that Shabbos was Parsha Shlach. Um, and at the end of Parsha Shlach, Hashem says to when he tells them what a horrible th the, the people what a horrible thing they did by um, not having a muna in a kaddish baruch Hu, he says that your children that uh, that nashenu vitapenu that you said will be levaz that they'll be destroyed because that's what the people said they said the same thing how you know we'll, we're ready to go in but our children will be will be killed 
they, he said, those children, they'll, they'll, they'll the ones who, who, will, who will get the land. So that struck me very much. That, that Pasuk, that, that Parsha struck me. That was, I think that, so that was Parsha Shlach. That was around June. So um, it was a couple of months before we were going to leave. And it struck me that that's exactly the, the kind of doubts that, that I need to, needed to be strong and, and fight against. So at that time, it was more of like moving little children into a war zone. The army was, you know, many, many years ahead. So I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking of more of endangering my children. That's when we finally got here and it was, and it was dangerous, the one thing that you notice very much is the absolute freedom and, and safety that your children feel in the neighborhood, in their, you know, when you're driving on the highway, the parents are nervous about that. But the children, when we got here, just felt very free. They could go wherever they wanted. They could play with their friends down the block. And there was a sense of even more freedom and safety than, than you have in the United States. Mm. So... How do, how do you pace yourselves? You, you've taken your daughters and your grandchildren into your home. On the one hand, you're watching and following the news closely. On the other hand, you don't want to make them more nervous, your daughters whose husbands are, are, are out answering the call. So how do, you, how do you pace yourself in terms of expressing your own concerns, nervousness, following the news, um, knowing that we don't know what is yet to come and, and when it will happen and what will happen and, and so on? And, and how do you both identify with and support your children and grandchildren, but on the other hand, allow them to live as close to normal lives as possible within your home. So I think my daughters are working extremely, extremely hard to uh, be brave and strong for their kids. And they're doing an amazing job at it. And they're really focused on that and making that their top priority. And I am very focused on being strong for them um so that they can be strong for their kids and um i think we've gotten into a sort of a routine of where we each sort of like we each need our time with our phone to catch up on the news and to feel like we know what's going on um but we don't really want to do that in front of the kids and we try very hard not to talk about anything and not to really discuss anything with them around um, no news. Really, we don't have the we don't have the TV on. Right. No news on while while the kids are awake. Right. Um, and really, just putting on a very brave front. But I have to say, the first couple of days, I think, like everyone, the absolute shock and horror um, were just unbearable, and it was very hard for anybody to function. And there was a tremendous, tremendous amount of fear and anxiety in the air and it was sort of like paralyzing um but since then i really have tried very very much to focus because i really truly believe this that you know we are now on the offensive and what i've told my son who's in the army and my sons-in-laws is that their job is to go get the bad guys and i know they're going to do it and i believe in them and i believe in the army and I believe Hashem is with them. And I tell them that the entire Jewish people is behind them and the entire world is behind them. So I do not, um, I really try not to give off any feelings of fear or horror. We had those feelings. I mean, that was the beginning part of this, but the tables have turned now and we're going after them. And that's what they're doing. And I just could not be more proud of them 
and more proud of all the women that are behind. I mean, I see in my neighborhood, as the girls described, it's my neighborhood is full of um, young girls with their small children, with their mothers. Um, basically, everyone's moved in together and we're all pulling it together. And all of the youth and the teens who are just unbelievable and incredible of what they're doing, um, spending all day, every day going where it's needed. And we are in a position of real strength and motivation. And the Chayalim are unbelievably motivated. And a lot of that motivation comes from their knowledge that they have us all behind them. Mm -hmm. Like you said yourself, the Jewish people, the billions of people around the world. Um, So we're in a good place. And uh, what's your message? What's both your message to those listening who don't live in Israel? What should they be doing? How should they be connecting to this? What can they be doing to help you, to help your children? What could we do? Um, I'll just tell you uh, uh, an anecdote. Yeshivas here are now struggling with, I have a lot of friends that are teaching in, in, in yeshiva, American yeshivas. Um, and uh, what they're doing is they're showing them, they're showing their kids your message, your message that you gave to, I'm not sure who the, who the intended recipients were, but the recipients are all those yeshivas and seminaries. And where you told them that anyone who goes back, we don't judge them. And we are, um, and, and people do what they have to do. And everyone has a different situation. But those who choose to stay, that they're an, doing an incredible service for the Toshvei Eretz Yisrael, for those who, who live here and those who are fighting here. Um, it, it means so much to us that, uh, that you, you're just, you're sharing, you're sharing in our, what, what's the, the ultimate, when you talk about the ultimate um, chesed, an act of achdus, is what we call nosea ba'ochavero. So you do what you can be, to be to be nosea ba'ochavero. We have an all now. We're 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 holding some have it more than others. They're the soldiers. They're they're the families. They're the there are are um, the communities and and they and and the people from Kutzlar that are choosing to stay or parents that are encouraging their children to stay. They're being no save o chavero in our lightening the burden a little bit. We're lightening the load. We're trying. It, it means it means so much to us. Um, and I, you know, my in-laws, your parents, just said they're they're staying and they 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 uh, canceled their the return flight to go back to Boca. It it just means it, it means so much to us. And it meant and all these kinds of things. The little things. The the little things. They all add up to to tremendous support. So. Thank you. Uh, we're grateful for that. And the same way, you know, we always say that uh, people, if you don't live here, you, you visit here. There's not, it's, not, it's not all or nothing. You, 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 you visit, you, you support, you come here for Yom Tov and you send your kids here. Every, everyone does whatever they can do. And every, and every, every little bit helps. Well, we're, we're going to keep doing it. As I told your, your daughters, um, we're right behind you. We're with you. Um, we love you. We're proud of you. We're, we're, we're connected to you. You're all we think about all day. And as much as you have to disconnect from the news because you're living it in real time is as connected as we are and struggling to get anything done or be productive at all because all we do is check and check again and stop to say to him and then check and then text somebody and then see if there's a rally. And um, not that we're contributing anything. You're, you're living it in real time and you're at ground zero of this whole, of this whole thing uh, just so that you know how much we feel connected how much we love you and I can't wait to be there visiting in your home and hugging all your children 
and and be together and celebrating the safe uh, return of Israel to the life that it deserves, honoring the heroes who restored that peace and who got rid of the evil that could perform such an atrocity and, and restored Israel to what it deserves. So, so thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you on behalf of our family for leading the way and making Aliyah before, before Judah and paving the way for when one day I will be there and, uh, and being mom and dad. Thank you for, for being there. Thank you for raising a family of, of Giborim who are, who are at the front lines of doing what needs to be done. And uh, we just, we love you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Ab, Thanks. we know that you- Thanks for your support. It's not just that. I think everyone who knows you knows that this is where your heart is and um, and it's real. And I mean, I know that because I know you, but that is something that everybody knows. And I think whether people are here or not here, they're inspired by it. Um, and you have a very, very big impact. And when you talk about things and you really push, you push the things you believe in and you don't, you don't step down and you know you don't uh you don't get scared off it shows you well, nothing and, uh, i'm just following what my big sister told me that's all I'm I'm just, look i mean it's all about the chayalim honestly chayalim the you know all of the rescue workers zaka yeah. people really who have seen things that you know they'll have their own um their own trauma that they'll have to deal with. They're really all on the front lines. We're trying to, you know, stay strong behind the scenes. Amazing, and, uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. We love you. We love you. I can't wait to see you. Dr. Danny Aguian, a familiar face, but an unfamiliar uh, distance or location because Danny is a beloved member of Boca Raton. So we were here for Sukkot and on Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah on Shabbat morning. Uh, we were staying in Um, small issue just between Ariel and Shiloh, which is uh, in the Shomron. And one by one, we started noticing that the young men of the community, a family, uh, I should say an issue of probably 90 families or so, one by one, we noticed the uh, young men getting sort of picked out of davening and uh, people started uh, having their phones in show, people started talking, there was some commotion, and slowly news started coming in of what was going on in the South and just the brutal and horrific uh, attack that took place. And the young men in the community just started leaving. And um, we slowly went from what was a joyous and, and very uh, Simcha-filled davening with, with dancing to a much more somber and uh, just just a more depressing, obviously, kind of uh, late morning and afternoon. And uh, the men of the community, by the end of the Chag, uh, really were, were down to just uh, ourselves, some uh, elders of the community and the women of the community. There's such an incredible number of frontline fighters that were uh, in this community and in all of the communities of, of Yehuda and Shamron that were just getting uh, plucked out from Shul and their families and were called to, to serve for Miluim or for uh, their, their uh, replacing other soldiers in different areas to allow people to start to mobilize and, and head down south. So um, we had plans originally of coming back uh, Monday night uh, to Florida and 
the situation changed dramatically. Obviously, uh, everybody's plans, uh, you know, changed and everybody became focused on the South. And I, I felt that there was no way I could go back. Um, it just didn't sit right with me. I felt that it was uh, the right thing to do, to be here, to be with the people, to be with our people, our family, our brothers, our sisters uh, in the community, uh, in, the, in the country, and just to show support in whatever little way uh, that I could. I, I felt I just couldn't go back to Florida and, and sit there while this uh, uh, was going on as everything developed. Uh, I, I just knew it was for me. It was the right thing, the right thing to do. Emily and your kids are amazing because obviously they allowed that, gave you permission for that. They're back. They've resumed a routine. Nothing's normal these days, but a routine of life, and they support you being there. I want to give a shout out to Emily and and your kids for that. So w- what are you doing there, right? Because you didn't stay behind to to taste all the falafel of Israel. You didn't stay behind in order to. I don't know what tour tour Israel. You stayed behind because you felt that there was a difference you could make. So what 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 difference is there to make? What have you been up to while you're there? So I will say, uh, first of all, you're right. Uh, I owe the credit to Emily and my family. I I really just publicly. I want to thank her, and I want to thank my family, and I want to uh, uh, thank uh, everybody that. Uh, potentially relies on on uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis uh, in Florida. Uh, they really allowed me to be here. And my wife said something that will really stick with me forever. She said, you got to do it. I know who I married. And for me, that was really something that wow. uh, was incredibly special and, and made made a difficult decision uh, much easier. And, and I knew at that point that it was absolutely the right thing to do so and for those for those who don't know for those who don't know danny is a brain surgeon a prominent brain surgeon in south florida and saves lives it's a significant thing for for your colleagues to pick up the slack and, and cover you and you know this it's at this point the, the you know the real heroes are are the soldiers the heroes are the people here in israel that are are fighting this fight every every single day um i felt that whatever services i could provide um, a lot of flights were canceled. A lot of flights were, were delayed. And, and so I was potentially going to be, uh, you know, here a little bit longer, but I said, you know what, I, I got to do what I can. If there's a skill, if there's a skill set, a service that I can provide, uh, to a brother, to a sister, how, how could we turn that down? So and so, tell us a little bit about what, what you've been up to and what you're doing and what there is that needs to be done. Yeah, so the first thing I did was I turned to the hospitals. I actually turned to some of the neurosurgery hospitals here within the country. Uh, there was a lot of chaos at the beginning, a lot of information, a lot of misinformation. No one really knew what was accurate. And uh, I think that was true on many different levels. And so there was a lot of um, information about needing certain services, equipment. And uh, I think that Shabbat and Sunday was a very, very difficult day. I was not uh, down in the South at that point, uh, but I think there were people that were really involved in uh, helping identify and, 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 clear, and clear bodies. Um, once I turned to the hospitals, uh, the neurosurgery services were, thank God, well covered. Uh, some doctors who are called to Miluim, they then have replacement physicians that were able to cover. And also certain above a certain age, those doctors were still on staff and on site. So the service needs within the hospitals were covered. 
And so for me, it became more of what can I do more acutely? Uh, I reached out to a few different colleagues, uh, Magenda Vida Dome colleagues, Hatsala, United Hatsala colleagues, uh, spoke with Ellie Beer, a dear friend of yours, and someone who's been to our community, and asked them, listen, what, what can I do? Um, I hitched a ride down to an area outside of Sterot, where there was a staging, uh, Hatsala had actually set up a staging uh, facility, and we had ambulances there, and they were essentially going, running transportation um, uh, to and from areas around Otef Aza, around the area of Gaza, the areas that were, were hit the hardest. So uh, what I was doing was essentially riding on an ambulance, a critical prayer ambulance. As a physician in Israel, uh, that's something that is a, a unique experience in terms of uh, having a medic and a paramedic on an ambulance. Uh, there is the rare opportunity to have a physician on an ambulance. And for me, that was sort of where I felt I could be the most useful. Um, it's everything from uh, routine medical calls that are going on every day, chest pain, shortness of breath, uh, to uh, even going to the uh, police station in Sderot for an injured soldier, uh, an injured police officer that was uh, uh, in the area of Sderot where Hamas terrorists had taken over that building. And unfortunately, there were still uh, live grenades, live uh, RPG missiles that they were working on clearing uh, because the terrorists had left that in the building. Uh, there are about 20 terrorists in that building, they told us. Um, and unfortunately, even seeing some of those uh, uh, bodies still on the floor in front of the police station was uh, something that I personally will never forget. Um, but being able to treat uh, a police officer from there, for example, who was injured by uh, uh, doing his, his duties there, clearing some material, transporting him to the hospital, um, providing whatever attention and care we could uh, in the field, and then bringing them to a local, a local hospital. Um, one thing that really stuck out as well in my mind was this soldier is awake and he's conscious and he's talking to us on the ambulance and he gets a call from one of his comrades, one of his colleagues who's actually in the field. And he said, he said, my brother, don't worry, I'm coming back. Wow. And that was something that was just so incredibly powerful as a, as a passenger. Uh, you know, again, these medics, they do this day in, day out. They do this better than, than I do this. Uh, you know, as a physician, we're not really uh, the first responders, uh, but, but the pre-hospital care is done better by them. And I was just observing this essentially. And the, the grit, the resilience uh, that every single one of these soldiers has uh, is I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to fight. I'm part of something bigger than myself. This is my mission. There's no question. I'm coming back. Whatever happens to me, I'm going to get back out there and, and I'm going to fight. You know, Danny, that's really that that quote, that statement, what you overheard is sort of um, really summarizes this whole situation. Right, because Klai Yisrael took a serious injury. The Jewish people, the Israeli people took a serious hit and a serious injury. And everyone's out there calculating the math, you know, proportional to America in 9-11. This is 10 9-11s in, in one day, maybe more. And um, But that notion that I'm coming back, right? My brother took a hit. I'm going to get better. And I'm coming back. And I'm coming back stronger is really the sentiment of what this is all about. So, uh, Dr. Aguillon. Absolutely. Uh, today, today is your birthday. Mark Twain famously said, two most important days in a person's life are the day they were born and the day they figure out why. So this is your birthday and this is your why on the same day. 
of, of being in Israel and answering the call and staying back and, and giving what you can and lending your expertise. You are representing us, many of us who wish we could go there right now and volunteer do. You are, you are representing us and thank you for that. Stay safe, keep doing your incredible work. And we thank love you. you. And whatever anybody can do, I, there, there's a tremendous sense of, of loss and there's a tremendous sense, understandably, of people wanting to do something and, and, and be here. And again, action. Action is key. Um, I think that that's really what differentiates Am Israel from the rest of the world. Uh, believing in our mission, believing in something bigger than us, and, and standing up for that mission. Uh, a dear friend told me that there's very few times in our lives where we have the opportunity to show our children uh, what we believe in, what we are made of, and something that we are a part of. And so even if it's just getting on a plane and coming over, just physically being here, people in the shock, people in the... Uh, in the schools, the people in the streets, anybody just seeing presence of people means so, so much to them. Obviously, people that have financial means, there's a lot of donation um, links that are going around. But I, I think for, for me, it's I, 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 we can't sit back. We really can't sit back. And so um, I think we really need to we're all, be we're resilient all called, and say We're strong. all reservists. We're all being called up. We're all being called on and from different places and in different ways and making different contributions. But we're proud of you. We're grateful to you. And uh, Hashem should just keep you safe and secure. Continue to do your great work. And uh, I hope to see you there with a big hug. And if not, we'll be back in Boca. And um, I don't want to say happy birthday, but I'll say it should be a healthy and a safe and a productive and a mission-driven birthday. And uh, a day that you celebrate your coming into this world and, and you're answering the question of why. So stay safe and uh, looking forward to celebrating many, many more birthdays and happier circumstances. Thank you, Rabbi. See you back at our temporary home. Take care. Thank you.